Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We are super happy to have you guys here. It just warms our hearts and fills our souls with joy, happiness, delight, excitement, and that's all. No other emotions. Zero other ones. That's all you get. Yep. So many. But (laughs) I know we love our listeners. Um, So today, guys, we're talking about transitioning from being a parent of under 18 year old children to parenting your adult children. Cause that's a huge shift when they start to leave the nest, when maybe they don't leave the nest, but need more independence. We're going to be going through all of that, some good tips and some just underlying good rules of practice so that, you know, okay, I don't know exactly what to say in this situation, but I have a general idea because I should be acting like this. So we're going to have tons of good ideas for you. So get excited, all of you parents of adult children and those who are starting to be parents of adult children and other people who just want to listen. Yeah, I think it's good for like we, the three of us, are in that stage of life where our parents are now parenting us as adult children. And so I think it's just interesting to listen to as well. And you can kind of see how your parents are parenting you. Yeah, and then you're like, mom, listen to this episode so that you're not in my business all the time. Be better. (laughs) Yep. Awesome. So essentially what happens when your children are adults is you shift from essentially parenting to being more of a support role. Basically, every parent will experience this at some point, but I think a lot of them actually love this stage of parenting because it's when this nice, beautiful friendship can emerge with your child. Because for so many years, you are intervening with things, keeping your child safe, protecting them, providing for them. And then now, as they shift to providing for themselves, you can kind of be just that support role, their cheerleader, be there when they need you. So one way to look at this shift would be you are changing from having the responsibility to raise your kids to shifting to a role of a neighbor. So you're involved, but it's more like when your neighbor comes out of the house and they ask you for help with something, or they see you in the yard and they start talking to you about something. So it's not like you are living in the house with them, involved in every aspect, but it's more like you are invited to help them or talk about something with them. Invited is a nice, important word there. Mm -hmm. When If you are often not invited and doing it anyway, maybe listen to our episode on boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Because you might need to learn about that. But I do like that idea of like, allow your child to want your help and seek your help And then give it, don't just be like the neighbor who's like binoculars, like watching every day, like 
What do they need? Creepy neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> Be more like the neighbor in, um, oh, what's, okay, it's called Tool Time is his show. Oh, Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Oh. Yeah, oh. Al. Wait, it's, no, Al's not the, Wilson, Wilson, the neighbor Wilson. Yeah. Yes. Maybe yeah. he was always Just there to give eyes. friendly advice. Yeah. Yep. Be your child's Wilson. Yeah. But, I mean, you can show them your whole face. You know, if you want to. Yeah, that's true. No, at the time they become adults, never show them your face again. Zero. They they have to cling to their childhood memories of what your face once was. <laughs> if you get anything from this podcast, it's that. <laughs> Don't show your face. Oh, that's so good. So one way to look at this would be, do you jump in to rescue your kids? So... When they call you to tell you about a problem, are you that person that is then intervening and trying to fix it? And that is more what I would refer to as a snowplow parent. And I've read some articles lately on this because when all the stuff was coming out about parents like um, paying off um, people to get their kids into college or paying off people to raise test scores and when all that was going on, uh, there were a lot of articles coming up about snowplow parents. And I thought this was a really interesting concept because we've all heard of the helicopter parent, like just that parent that hovers. But a snowplow mm-hmm. parent is basically those parents that push everything out of the way for their kids so that their kids never have to fail. And that is essentially what a rescuing parent does. They go in and they fix everything for their kid so that their kid does not experience any level of discomfort. Mm-hmm. So basically an example of that would be like if your kid is going to college, you take them to their new apartment and you go in and you realize that the apartment's just a dump and you are the one that starts calling the handyman and the landlord to fix everything yes. for the kids. You realize that your kid hasn't uh, signed up fully for classes. So you're getting on your kid's computer and you're doing that for them. You're figuring I'm out. I'm pretty sure that happened to me. I, uh, I try to think of all We actually things. always joke about it, me and my freshman roommate. We always joke about how my mom came and helped me choose a major one day. <laughs> so I was like, I did ask, but also I did. she was there to help me in my college dorm room. <laughs> oh, I love Which is that. amazing. It's basically just the parent that ensures that their kid doesn't fail ever. When actually oh, yeah. your kids need to fail to actually be resilient <laughs> and actually get through this next stage of life because it's a hard stage and there's a lot of, you know, where we say, oh, adulting is so hard. Well, you can help your kids out with adulting by letting them actually do it themselves. So maybe you help your daughter move in and you see that her apartment's a wreck and you say, well, this is what you do in that situation. You call your landlord, you call the handyman to come fix it. Oh, you're not totally signed up for classes? Well, you get online and you sign up for your classes. So mm-hmm. sometimes, like, I still ask my mom how to do things frequently because it, it's they're just life experiences I haven't gone through yet. 
but her tactic is to not do it for me. It's to tell me how and give me that tool, but not actually do everything for me every step of the way. Absolutely. Your job is to teach, not to do. And even more so once they're an adult, it should always be to teach along the way. But there are things that kids under 18 can't do for themselves. But once they're 18, you really do want to be shifting a lot of that responsibility to them by teaching them. Like, here's the number for your doctor. Please call and get yourself an appointment if you would like one. You can do it. And yeah, adulting is hard. But so is everything in life. Life is hard. So they can figure it out. And if they don't, and they don't go to the doctor for a while, that's their choice. And they can make that choice. And you just keep gently reminding them and like, hey, I think you really need to go to the doctor. Have you called yet? Here's that phone number. But if they don't, it's their choice, you know. Exactly. It's hard to let go, but it's good to let go. Yeah. And so maybe just take that inventory of, are you, you know, are you setting up doctor's appointments for your kids? Are you their wake up call in the morning so that they will go to class? Are you reminding them when their test finals are? Because if you're involved in all those aspects of their life, I would say you are too involved in the day to day goings on and you need to take a step back and let them step up and do some of this stuff for themselves. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a hard dynamic too, because like, I think back to this time in college so long ago, but it was like when I wasn't doing well in a class and I was like, oh, I can just drop the class or retake it or whatever. But there mm-hmm. is a withdrawal deadline, you know, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling the school and being like, hey, I need to drop this class. And the lady was like, the deadline was this morning. And I was like, are you serious? Like, can I still drop it? She was like, no. And I remember calling my mom and this would have been a perfect opportunity for my mom because she's kind of fiery, you know, and her, I, I like you could tell in the phone call, there was like an undertone of me being like, Kimala, call this woman, tell her Make who you right. are, Make yeah. this happen, you know, but not saying that. And then she was just like, man, that really stinks. You know, like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And in my mind, I'm like, why aren't you fixing this? You know, like, how come this is happening? But it's true. So it's kind of like your kids, because like, we are so close to that. Like we used to be kids and now we're adults and you you can kind of be manipulated by your kids sometimes to be like, do this for me. Come on, do this for me. And you gotta, you gotta hold back. You know, yeah. you can't do it for him. Yes. You should be slowly transitioning to that. Like as they're in high school, they're doing a lot more for themselves, right? Like maybe they have a car and they're starting to take care of their car and they can do all their own assignments and stuff. But then as they shift to college or their real life job or getting married, it should just be less and less progressively. Like your child will still be calling you a lot the first two to three years when they're out of the house because they still are learning a ton of skills. But if you are doing everything for them, then they're going to be calling you for the next 10 years to do everything Ever. for them. Well, you don't <laughs> and that want sounds them to like a lot. Yes. So you just have to remind yourself, like, even if they fail at this, it's a learning experience. That's how they learn. I mean, we learn so much from failure. 
that's how we don't fail all day every day is because we failed once and we learned from it and it got a little bit better, you know? No, I'm not about deadlines. I like to know the deadlines before everything even starts because of that one burn in college. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I never learned that lesson, but I hear that other people do. (laughs) You will someday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah right I just shifted from my mom to KJ being my mom in grad school <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was like have you done that paper yet so dude in the morning oh, oh, I'll, oh. I'll start well I'll do it now and she'd yeah. get the best grade yeah. on that paper in the morning I can't help it if I'm the best procrastinator out there man <laughs> with the hair flip you all couldn't see yeah. it but she you guys her. she flipped her hair and that means that I'm not serious in case you guys can't tell by my tone <laughs> Although we should her, do it her sarcastic tell, yeah. How I learned how to procrastinate <laughs> the right way. Oh man, That's a good skill. Yeah. Okay, something else to consider is just having respectful boundaries, and that goes both ways. Like you are respecting your kids' boundaries because they will inevitably grow more distant from you in this life stage, and that is very, very normal. And so if you can work on understanding that that is not about you, it's about the life stage that your child is at, then I think everyone will feel all right. So like if your kid goes off to college and they're making new friends, having new experiences, they don't call or text you as much, like just understanding that that's not because they don't love you anymore or need you. It's just really a normal part of the process. Um, but I think an example of this too would be having boundaries when it comes to your kids asking for things. Like say they call you and ask for money. Being able to set up those boundaries for yourself as well of like, okay, I'm going to let you borrow some money, but I expect you to pay it back by this date. Or okay, I'm co-signing on something, but these are my expectations with that. You can have, you can set respectful boundaries as well with your children and teach them how that looks because it's important that you're doing that as well. Because say your kids distance themselves from you when they do need you, it's still an opportunity to set boundaries so that, you know, they aren't taking advantage or they aren't overstepping. And so mm-hmm. if you're feeling that distance, don't just, when they come for help, just give them everything if it's crossing your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there will be a time when your child genuinely needs you to save them. Like, I have to have this money right now. But if you're noticing that that's happening every month or, you know, every couple weeks, things like that that's when you can say, whoa, I'm not letting this child figure things out on their own. They're just relying on me. And that's a good opportunity for teaching and learning and keeping your boundaries and teaching your child to keep boundaries and stuff. Because there will be that natural progression of, oh, they're going from I do everything and I provide everything, like money-wise, right, to they have to provide that for themselves. And so there is some failure that happens there. And so they might need you to save them. But you shouldn't be consistently doing that all the time because that's just not a good boundary to set. But make sure that you are pushing to have a relationship beyond just them calling and being like, hey, mom, dad, I need this. You know, take that opportunity, say, "Okay, yeah, let me help you with that. And then 
what's going on? Let me tell you about what's happening back at home and try and connect in those moments because yeah, you probably aren't going to hear from them as much and that's fine and it's good. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like when they go off and they're living their own life and you know, they're, they're busy and they don't have a lot of time to talk, but at the same time when they do talk to you, they're going to feel that energy from you when you're like, when you're showing interest in them, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not like shop, talk, shop, talk. Okay. Bye. They're gonna be like, wow, I forgot how much I enjoy this, how much I enjoy like feeling connected and like, my mom's still so interested in my life, so much about all the things that are going on, or my dad cares so much about all the things that are going on. So that obviously will make them then want to experience that again and have more interactions with you. So it's kind of like they can get distracted, but it's good to remind them that you guys have a strong connection and that it can be really like healing for them to feel that. The next point that we thought of is listen more than you talk. A lot of times when we're in a place of, I guess, authority or being the wiser one in a relationship, we just kind of want to throw all of our knowledge at someone and we want to fix things. And I think when your kids call you, a really smart move is to listen and not just give unsolicited advice. If they spew all this stuff to you, and then they say, oh, okay, I feel better, and they don't ask you for your advice, just be like, great, it was great talking to you. But if your child says, hey, what do you think about that? That is the opportunity for you to share what you are thinking, but still take that role of not trying to fix it and not being really forceful with your ideas. And that is important because I think it will create this relationship where your kid feels like they can come to you, express themselves, feel validated, but not feel like you are trying to take control of the situation and change their minds or give them a ton of advice that maybe they're not exactly looking for. So it's kind of, again, like that idea of being a neighbor, like be invited to give your opinion and your advice. I think you'll find that it's, it creates more harmony. Yeah. And then you can kind of store it up. If you're giving advice all the time, your child's just going to ignore you. Right. But every once in a while, there will be a time that you feel like I need to intervene in my child's life. And then it actually holds weight. Because your child's like, oh, okay, my mom feels really strongly about this versus my mom is telling me what to do every day. I'm just going to ignore her more and more and more, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I think a way to, to distinguish between when you should do that and when you should not is how big the problem is. So if your child's doing a behavior that's just bothering you and it's not, like, dangerous, it's just more unpleasant to you, like, say they show up to a family event and they have like just a beard that you think is atrocious. Like that is not a dangerous thing and is probably a time to just kind of step back and let your child make their own decisions and be perceived by other people, how they're presenting themselves. Right. But if your child is showing signs of a habit that could be really dangerous for them, 
that may be a time where you do step in and give some of that advice without being asked and provide them resources for like getting professional help or um, just ideas of how to help themselves out of that situation. Okay, and the final thing we wanted to talk about is making room for significant others in their lives. So this is probably an interesting transition for a lot of parents when children are bringing people home that they love, are dating, that they're friends with. And we'll use the example of um, a child's spouse. So inevitably with your child, they'll shift their primary attachment from you to their spouse. And that is very normal, but I think for some parents that can be really hard. It can be a really hard process depending on what your relationship is like with your child. Um, but I think it's important to remember that that is very healthy and very important for them to shift that primary attachment from you because if they don't, then marital issues will happen inevitably. So it's, you know, making room for new people in your child's life, doing your best to embrace them. Maybe you don't love everything about this person, but again, if you're not noticing anything that's really serious or dangerous to your child, then let little things that bother you go. Mm -hmm. Because your child is at an age where they're making their own choices, they're deciding who they're associating with, and it's just kind of time to let them do that. And try not to be too jealous. If your child brings their roommate home with them and the roommate is laughing with them and they're doing their inside jokes, don't be like, she used to do that with me. Be like, wow, I taught her how to have a healthy attachment with people. And look, she has such a good friend in her roommate. That's awesome. Try and reframe from I'm losing my child to, oh my gosh, my child is forming new connections. I'm so proud that she knows how to do that. That's such a positive way of looking at it. Like, oh, my child has a healthy relationship with her spouse. She's not talking to me as much as she used to. That's great. I taught her how to do that. And it can be really like that dynamic when you bring like a new spouse into the relationship can be really difficult as a parent because you have this history and culture that you've cultivated with your own child. So you know what to expect from each other. You have just like years and years of a foundation. And then you bring a person in who's like now your child, you know, like your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law, but you don't have that history and culture and foundation with them. So I think it's remembering that it took you all of these years to cultivate that with your child. It's going to take some time to do it with a brand new person. And so like approaching that with like compassion and love and curiosity instead of hostility and viewing them as something foreign or alien, like this person doesn't fit or this person doesn't jive. It's kind of like it takes time and I have to understand them and where they came from and they have to understand us and we're going to create something new here instead of finding the perfect person to fit perfectly into your family of origin because it's just not realistic. And sometimes you can bring somebody who's very different in and they can just kind of open your minds and create a new family dynamic and it can be really cool what they can contribute to that. So it's kind of not viewing that with so much like somebody's going to come in and ruin this. It's like, oh, 
we can have something new together and something really, really beautiful. So it's tough, but it's definitely possible. All right. So our takeaways are pretty much just giving your child room to fail. Mm -hmm. Listen more than you talk. Make room for them to have other relationships. And along the way, set healthy boundaries for yourself and allow your child to set them for them. So we <laughs> hope you enjoyed this and feel free to share it with people in your life that may need to hear some of these things. It can be a little, <laughs> little hint. And don't be afraid to express some of these things to people that you love. If you are an adult child that just needs a little more room from your parent, that is setting a healthy boundary. Or mm -hmm. if you need to set that boundary with your kid of, hey, I'm not going to fix every problem for you, that is a good thing to do as well. It's all very, very healthy to do in your relationships. Yeah. And it's all based on respect. Like, you allow these boundaries with your kid and you create them and you acknowledge them because you respect your child and their growth process. And at the same time, your child does that for you too. So it's just a, it's just allowing each other to respect one another and showing that that's important to both of you. So yeah, enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.